One of my favorite periods of time in D.C., frankly, was when I was doing real public service. I think it's helpful to start by thinking about what is a trade association. When it comes at least to the political landscape in Washington, the association is there to be your sword and your shield. And that's really who we're representing, not just the name at the top, but all of you who work together at Humana. I'm William Fleming, and this is Real Talk with Healthcare Services, a podcast for Humana Associates who work in Humana's healthcare services segment and across Humana. Today, we have a special treat, someone from outside the walls of Humana. His name is J.C. Scott, and he is the CEO of PCMA, which is the Pharmacy Trade Association that is called the Pharmaceutical Care Management Association. JC uh, brings to us a tremendous amount of experience uh, from working inside the Beltway through not only the pharmacy industry, but also other parts of the healthcare uh, industry. Um, so uh, we're going to get into this conversation here briefly and just wanted to welcome you, JC, to the podcast. Thank you, William. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, thank you. Thank you. So, JC, you know, we like to get to know our, our, uh, you know, our, our interviewees. So why don't you tell us about yourself, about, uh, about you, JC Scott, the person? Who are you? <laughs> sure. And, and when I get that question, I actually like to lead to talk more about my, the personal side of things than I do the professional side, as passionate as I am about the work that I do at PCMA. So I'll tell you, I live in Washington, D.C. I've been in D.C. for almost 25 years now. That's home. That's, that is home. I've lived in the Washington area longer than I've lived anywhere else in my life. Uh, a wife, a daughter, two dogs, two rescue dogs that we got from uh, different uh, uh, local rescue organizations. Uh, if, if you were to ask me what sort of my personal passions were, one is around those, those animals and the time we spend with them and the organizations that we got them from. Uh, the others are really around family. I like to play my guitar out in our back deck. Uh, when I have the, the limited free time that we have, uh, and I really enjoy cooking. So my weekends often, because I don't get to do it during the week, are spent uh, in the kitchen um, cooking with my daughter and putting the food on the table. So, JC, you're on your back deck. It's a nice, cool night in Washington, D.C. Uh, well, we haven't had a lot of those lately. Uh, <laughs> no kidding, this amazing year. Uh, what's your go-to song? Oh, that is that is a that is a great question. I, I tend to go back... Uh, a few decades and a lot of what I like to play. So think of the era that's more Simon and Garfunkel and Crosby, Stills and Nash. Uh, I'll enjoy a lot of their uh, more mellow music as sort of the the music that brings me peace and relaxation when I'm playing for myself. Now, that being said, my daughter's 11 years old and to get her interested in spending time with me when I'm doing that, I've been forced to learn things like Frozen. Uh, Frozen. Uh, Ed Sheeran is now in my repertoire. Oh, boy. It's, it's uh, really expanded my worldview on music. What was your last concert you went to? The last concert that we went to, uh, gosh, it has been a little while. One thing I used to like to do uh, for concerts, my wife is a huge fan of, ac of acoustic music. For a couple of years for her birthday, we would try to bring somebody in and have a party in the backyard. And so the last person we brought in was an artist named Dean Fields, who's a guy out of Virginia who does a lot of his own uh, music. Robbie Hecht, uh, who's out of the Nashville area, is another that we really enjoy. Awesome, awesome. And so, uh, will we ever see you at a karaoke bar? <laughs> Not at anything associated with PCMA. <laughs> <laughs> 
I understand that one. I gotcha. Um, so, JC, this this whole PCMA thing again, it, it stands for the Pharmaceutical Care Management Association. Uh, it's the uh, Pharmacy Trade Association for uh, what we do um, with Humana and mm-hmm. um, the likes of our industry brethren in terms of OptumRx and Express Scripts and Caremark and uh, Prime Therapeutics and Med Impact and the like. Um, tell the group a little about. PCMA through through your words. Sure. And, and I think it's helpful to start by thinking about what is a trade association, because it is, you know, there are thousands of trade associations in Washington, D.C., but it's it's a organization that not too many people outside of D.C. might be familiar with. And technically, a trade association is anything from the NBA, right, the National Basketball Players Association. Uh, they are a collective of individuals who have uh, common shared goals and aligned interests, then they, they, they organize in their association really for reasons to, to represent themselves uh, with the management of the, organiz- uh, the, the teams that they play for, the organizations that they play for. The, or- the trade associations in D.C. are more built to do advocacy work. In other words, to help you exercise your important First Amendment right to speak in a collective and organized way with policymakers and with the government. And the benefit of having all of these like-minded companies who are in the same space together is that we then have the platform to say, we at PCMA are here on Capitol Hill representing the industry collectively and trying to drive positive policy change uh, that's going to make it easier for you to do the important job that you do. Um, The best analogy to think of, the the most commonly used phrase is the association is there to be your sword and your shield, right? To do battle for you and to take bullets for the industry as necessary so that doesn't have to always be done by the individual companies. you know, as, as as some politicians have said, stronger together. That that is that is the idea of organizing within an association. No question about it. And as you think about the various healthcare associations inside of DC, uh, tell our listeners what what comes to mind when when you think of healthcare and associations. Well, that that's an interesting question because there is a diversity. There are a diversity of associations in the healthcare space, representing everyone from the manufacturer side. Um, in fact, my background before being a PCMA was in a different association that represented companies that manufacture medical devices, so the manufacturer side of life sciences, all the way through uh, all of the, um, the the payer organizations, more aligned with the 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 kind of industry that we represent at PCMA. And then on through to groups that I wouldn't necessarily label associations, but are equally important in representing populations of patients who all share a common con- condition. And they're trying to advocate for more research funding or policy change that's going to make it easier for them to advance treatments and cures for the, for the diseases or conditions that they're, they're grappling with. So it's the, it is the total spectrum of what you would experience in terms of uh, being a patient in experiencing healthcare delivery and payments is are all rep- those those units are all represented through associations in Washington. It really is amazing as I've learned more about the power of the association and the goodness that an association can bring, and who they represent. And if you let's think about what JC just said, he talked about patients being represented by associations. He talked about individuals like doctors or pharmacists or nurses or you can name others that are being represented by associations. And then he kind of talked about companies and whether it's Humana or Pfizer or a hospital company or a medical company, medical device company, 
companies are represented by associations. Fair to say? That's exactly right. And I'm going to hearken back to uh, another reference to an unnamed politician, but I think of it that, that companies represent the people who work there, right? So these companies, your collections of individuals who are working together under the umbrella of your company name, and that's really who we're representing. Not just the name at the top, but all of all of you who work together at Humana. Right, right, right. That are the collection of, of of things that we do as 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 a company. That, that's that's exactly right. So let's double click on uh, PCMA a little bit and and, and what it does. Um, we we want to have our listeners be able to understand um, various a- various aspects of Humana and, and what it does. We occasionally we do bring in others to help us uh, articulate the journey and, and, and where it goes. Um, obviously, one of the big uh, debates going on right now, um, and really has been going on for some time, is the drug pricing debate and the issue with high drug prices and affordability. Certainly, with uh, President Trump um, in the 2016 election, it it was all over. You know, the debate around high drug prices and what we're going to do about it. You fast it forward to 2019, head into 2020, and. We're still talking about high drug prices, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of uh, chaos, I would say, in the environment around us. Um, without us getting into politics, because uh, JC and I agreed we're not going to be talking politics on this, but it's a, it's impossible to talk about advocacy and what happens in D.C. without acknowledging the politics. Um, talk about the, sort of the, the environment that you see in the political landscape and its impact here in the short term and maybe even longer term around uh, getting certain advocacy work done and really getting after you know solving this drug pricing debate as an example? It, it's a great question. I think the word you used, William, was chaotic. And unfortunately, when it comes at least to the political landscape in Washington and the environment for making policy, that's that's exactly what it is. It's somewhat chaotic, which is why I think year over year, we are seeing fewer and fewer big ticket items really move through the legislative process. Now, to be fair, Congress does their work every year. They're processing judicial nominations. They're funding the government. They're doing the the bat blocking and tackling that, that is necessary. But they struggle when it comes to big questions like drug pricing. They struggle with, you know, what what is the common ground that we can find between the parties on solutions to that? And, you know, I think as we get closer and closer to an election year, uh, that difficulty in finding commonalities is only going to get exacerbated. That's only going to get worse. And the, the real question that I think a lot of folks on Capitol Hill are asking themselves is, you know, what is the scope of this drug pricing problem? And just putting a purely political lens on it from their, their perspective, is it more important to get a win on this and potentially give the other side a win on this as well? because we think we need to get this outcome in order to show that we can do our work? Or is it more important to have the talking point and the rhetoric around the issue? Exactly. It, and it's so, it is so interesting that uh, a lot of these topics, and whether it's drug pricing or um, the impact of you know, uh, things close to us that we, uh, we know we deal with all the time, the health insurance tax mm-hmm. uh, from a number of years ago to uh, the impact of you know, consolidation what's going on and the the other industries and the other things in the world in terms of whether there's a war going on or whether there's an oil crisis or whatever there's a bunch of things that impact each and every debate it's not as clean cut as one would think that 
um, you would think that it'd be easy to get in a room and solve gun control or solve drug pricing, but it doesn't work that way, does it? It, it doesn't necessarily work that way. We have seen them be able to walk and chew gum at the same time uh, in instances in the past. Uh, so I think around the, the right policy questions, that can happen. Uh, so in other words, even setting aside the specter of is there going to be an impeachment process, we're about to be in a presidential election year, there's enough difficult politics around drug pricing itself that could make it hard to pass something. You layer in those external political factors and it gets all the harder, theoretically, for people to feel like they want to sit at a table together and try and solve for something. But the thing that frustrates me most about this whole drug pricing debate isn't those big picture external politics. It's that I feel like they've lost sight of the question, what are they solving for? Because it feels to me like this debate has spread into almost every corner of uh, the drug supply chain and, and, and the healthcare arena, if you will. When in fact, it feels like the problem is most acute for a smaller population of people who are taking, you know, drugs where there is insufficient competition. And so we just see prices going up and up and up for these particular therapies. They're exposed to higher out-of-pocket costs. And so there is a population where there truly is an affordability issue we should be trying to solve for. But instead, they're trying to rewrite the entire system and solve problems that don't exist outside of that narrow sliver. And that's, that's, that's a frustration as well. Yeah, JC, you bring up an interesting point and it reminds me of, of um, our board meeting uh, uh, about three weeks before the 2016 election. We had a, a DC, um, well-known DC healthcare uh, policy guy um, that was serving under Hillary come speak to our board. And he said something that uh, just resonated with me. And although I knew it inherently and at PCMA, at our PCMA table over the years, I, I know we've talked about it, is that um, Humana and companies like Humana were a thing, were an it. Uh, when you're showing up trying to create policy or advocate for policy, uh, showing up talking about your company often falls on deaf ears. And his point was, if you really want to make things relevant and resonate, you need to talk about the patient. You need to talk about the consumer. You need to make it real for, you know, Bob the plumber or whomever, because it's that that's where people inside of D.C. start caring is when it, it, it impacts their constituents and the people they care about. So the more we can humanize, the more we can bring it to life that that's what I've learned you know, in my time in, inside of you know, working with the associations is that we've got to when we start talking about advocacy, it's we've got to advocate for something that that hits home to the patient. Is that fair? I think that's exactly right. When when typically uh, policymakers are evaluating these kinds of questions, they want to know what does it mean for my state or my congressional district? In other words, is this going to affect uh, employers and their employees who live and work inside this geographical area that I represent? And if not, then they want to understand it through the lens of the average individual, the consumer or the patient. And I think we could do a much better job at PCMA and as an industry in framing our discussion that way because we get so focused on the terms of the debate as they've been set by others, which is really around, well, what are you doing to control costs, right? Are you really helping to negotiate lower prices? Where do those savings go? Instead of focusing on uh, the, the things 
that I've heard some of our board members talk about what we do in terms of care management for the patient, our ability to contribute to delivering better health care outcomes for that individual, which delivers benefits not only for the individual patient, but for the system as a whole. So we need to we need to start reframing things the way that, that you're describing. Will. Yeah, Storytelling matters, right? And that, that's what we're talking about is how do you tell stories that that, that resonate. Let, let's go to one other conversation for a minute, and that's advocacy. A lot of what we're talking about here is advocacy and creating advocacy for, um, for uh, you know, the, the, the issues that are at hand. Um, talk about that from your lens as you think about advocacy and, and how important that is. I, th- I think it's critically important, and sometimes when you start to define it, it involves words that people find distasteful, like lobbyist, right? And I look back over the course of my career, and I've been, during my time in D.C., working uh, both on Capitol Hill and then at other associations, I was effectively a lobbyist. And it's funny uh, because my mother would actually prefer to describe my job to her friends as being a lawyer rather than using the lobbyist word, if that tells you anything. I actually understand that point. I, I actually had to file paperwork as a lobbyist because I hit I went on Capitol Hill so many times that I had to, had to go through some of the actual you know, filings a few years ago. It was probably a soul-searching moment for you. It was. <laughs> it was. But the reality is uh, it gets back to the, the discussion we were having earlier about the purpose of having an, an association to represent you in Washington, D.C. It's critically important to make sure that your voice is heard on these questions. Because if we're not out there telling the story of what we do collectively as an industry, what we do for patients, others are out there defining us and shaping policy that's going to impact us without the perspective of the real business people who are able to explain this is what that means in real life to our ability to do our job. So being able to uh, represent yourself individually as Humana and through your association to help shape policy and shape perspective, uh, to me, is critically important. And that's the primary reason you have an organization like PCMA. Absolutely. And because it does, um, you know, when I think about uh, the world that we've played in, I, I've seen the power of creating advocacy um, at a you know CMS level, at a federal level, at a state level, and it's really getting those stories out about whatever the issue is at hand, and trying to help you know, influence and frame what's right for patient care. And if we keep that in mind, you're going to win more than your fair share, is my opinion. And you're going to lose some just because you know that's the nature of 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 negotiation, but you're going to win more than your fair share. And even beyond the winning and losing, are we helping contribute to getting the right policy outcomes for people? One of the one of my favorite periods of time in D.C., frankly, was when I was making the least amount of money, working you know my, these entry level jobs on Capitol Hill, then working my way up the ladder and being involved in some really big policy debates and feeling like uh, I was I was doing real public service. But now that I've been Outside of Capitol Hill, working at associations, I still feel like I'm doing service in a large way because we are able to do that advocacy and contribute thoughtfully. Hopefully, we're contributing thoughtfully and honestly to shaping policy so that those outcomes are better for everybody. Absolutely. So, JC, you, you've been at PCMA uh, about a year. It'll so, be a year next month. Yeah, so congratulations on, on, on making it through the, the first year. You have an active board. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. I think you know some of them. I, I do. So I, I, I sit on the board uh, with uh, 
with JC, and there's about, uh, what is it, nine of us? Eight. Eight, eight of us. Always lose count. Um, and that's a good thing because we're adding some people, but then consolidations with companies merging take somebody off. But mm-hmm. but we, we have a board of eight um, at PCMA, so we're we're not a big board and because your prior association was had how many board members? About 50. About 50. Mm-hmm. So imagine what JC had to do to get the industry of – device manufacturers aligned on an issue with 50 people on the board versus the pharmacy benefit management industry that's got eight. I mean, not it's not that it's easy, but it's probably a little easier. Uh, yes and no, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, it's still an exercise in active diplomacy to find the commonalities between everybody to make sure we're landing in the right spot that represents hopefully everyone, but at, at least the majority. Um, But as I often am telling folks up on Capitol Hill when I'm up there, this is a fiercely competitive industry, all battling for a lot of the same market share. What's interesting coming out of the the med tech industry was everybody was making their own unique little widget. So to some degree, they weren't as directly competing for that same customer base or space, if you will. Uh, They just wanted the FDA to work the right way so they could navigate the regulatory process. So in some ways, easier to find commonalities than it is around a table where we have a lot more head-to-head competition. Uh, JC, I, uh, Christy wanted me to ask you this. Um, she she wanted to know who your favorite board member is. Well, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy working with it because you're going to broadcast this out far. Yeah. Uh, exactly. I, I enjoy working with uh, with all of our board members, and they bring a lot of different and unique experience to the table that I benefit from every single one of them. Absolutely. Um, but William, I've known you through the recruitment process and have appreciated the way that you've really leaned in and engaged to help transition PCMA through this time. Well, we, we've got a good industry, a lot of good folks and some of my favorite people. So I, I know I, I've enjoyed uh, developing the relationships uh, at the uh, trade association, not only with the uh, our competitors um, who sit on the board, but also the trade association staff. And let's close out maybe some of this conversation with that. Uh, tell tell the listeners how big is PCMA in terms of like you know a number of employees and you know, type of talent that exists there and, and 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 that type of thing. So right now we have about twenty eight employees, and we prioritize those positions that help us undertake our advocacy mission. So those are both the frontline lobbyists who are out there telling our story every day, as well as the people who are helping us develop the policy position, the formal comment letter doing the research to have the data that helps us to tell the story that we need to tell. As you know, William, we've been doing some soul searching at the association to figure out who we should be to represent you all going forward as the industry continues to evolve and the challenges continue to grow. And we've identified just the increase in a level of activity in the state legislatures in particular is requiring us to be out there more than we have been in the past. So as we look to grow our staff, we are prioritizing trying to be present in more states to help shape those policy debates, which I would argue are equally important to the debates that they're having in Washington, D.C. Yeah, what J.C.'s raising there is a tension that, that, that as board members we feel, and that is there's federal policy, that which happens uh, inside of D.C., but there's also state policy, and there's 50 states. And uh, covering 50 states sounds easy. You heard J.C. say that he has 28 FTEs, 20 time, 28 full-time equivalent employees on staff um, to do all the work that we've got to do, which means that there are some states where we don't have full coverage in, 
yet it's at the state level when a policy can get implemented. And maybe it's a smaller state, but the risk we have as an industry is when that issue that just got implemented in that smaller state jumps state boundaries and it goes to a bigger state like Texas or Florida becomes really problematic um, for the industry. And so, you know, the, the association has done a great job of dealing with federal policy, but also we've been recognizing there's more we got to do at the state level. And so we just had a, a big um, uh, board meeting here recently and we've talked about it and we've agreed that, you know, we've got to go out and fund uh, more uh, state efforts because um, because we have to. Um, it's clear that the state activity has gone up. How much fold over the last three to four years? Remind me. Well, if we look back to, I want to say 2013, we were tracking roughly 200 pieces of legislation across the states that related to PBMs, and we're closer to 1,200 pieces of legislation today. So a six-fold increase in legislation at the state level, not federal level, that can impact our industry. And so you, hopefully you all get a, a sense just with that metric how important this work is and how we've got to keep uh, advancing it in, in terms of what we do. So, JC, thank you. William, thank you for having me on. I've enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, thanks, thanks for being on the podcast. Our listeners um, uh, enjoy these things. Um, they, uh, we, we come from a, a, a position of pharmacists and doctors and nurses and operators and analytics people and, and other you know, um, operational types that, um, that represent what we call healthcare services here at Humana. So appreciate what you're doing. For our listeners, um, thank you all. Uh, you all know how to get a hold of us. You know we love your feedback. You can email us at healthcareservices@humana.com or post your comments to Buzz with the hashtag HCSPodcast. And until next time, I hope you have a great week. Mm-hmm.